this is where I wish I had some deep, brody voiced announcer guy saying, live from Hollywood and Pac-12 Football Media Days, this is the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. And now, here's your host, Troy Clarity. I don't have that guy. It's just me. But we are here at Pac-12 Football Media Day, and we are coming to you from Hollywood. And we are glad to be here on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network. Tuesday, July 27th, 2021. Hope your day has been going fantastically. Hope your summer has been a good one. Fall and football season are just around the corner. And uh, we are here to break down the sights and the sounds of Pac-12 Football Media Day, especially from a Stanford perspective. That's what we do best here on the TreeCast. Who am I? I'm a Detroit Clarity here for my 29th season. Wow, that's about to begin of following Stanford football. This should be a whole lot of fun. Also, Pac-12 Network play-by-play announcer. Looking forward to getting my eighth year of uh, Pac-12 Network play-by-play across numerous sports fired up once again this fall. Cannot wait to bring you one-on-one chats with Stanford Athletic Director Bernard Muir, Cardinal defensive end Thomas Booker, Stanford wide receiver Michael Wilson, and Stanford head coach David Shaw. So a lot to get to as we we start to look forward to the Pac-12 football season. The Pac-12 preseason media poll was announced. That was the first order of business bright and early on this uh, morning. Oregon picked to win the North and beat USC in the Pac-12 football championship game. Stanford picked fourth in the North. Not that far behind Cal, just a three-point differential between the Cardinal and the Bears. I'll reveal my ballot later on in the show. Uh, Herm Edwards, Arizona State, didn't comment on anything going on with his program in the NCAA. And new Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov said that, hey, the conference is monitoring everything from realignment to name, image, and likeness, and whatever else the next existential threat to college sports might be. So great to be in the building. Great to see a whole lot of folks live and in person. And great to turn our attentions to Pac-12 football and Stanford football as well. We'll get you three things that David Shaw said from the podium. We'll bring you that in just a moment. But of course, first, this reminder, July just about to uh, give way to August, but still a fantastic time for sports. And if you're into sports betting, then Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Uh, Major League Baseball in the second half of the season. Uh, there's plenty of betting action to get involved in. If you're a football better, there are tons of futures and props that you can wager on as well. Bet Online is all the latest odds, news, and information on your on on your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Let's get you three things that you need to hear from David Shaw's time at the podium here at Pac-12 Football Media Day. Let's start with number one. And Pac-12 Football Media Day was attended by all 12 athletic directors, two student athletes from all 12 teams, and head coaches from 11 of the 12. Nick Rolovich of Washington State choosing not to uh, get his vaccination. Therefore, he participated in his portion of uh, Pac-12 Football Media Day festivities via Zoom. So Zoom is still a thing. And, and yes, COVID is still a thing as well. And vaccinations, obviously a big subplot right now, not just in sports, but outside of it as well. David Shaw with his thoughts on the whole situation. I think it's, it's better and safer for all of us if everybody is vaccinated. 
and, and as we all know, being vaccinated doesn't keep you from ever getting the virus. It keeps it from being as severe as it could be without. Um, so it is about personal safety, but at the same time, now being a member of the football team, and what's, what's one of the best things about being a member of a team is that it's not about you, it's about everybody else. Um, so we have a process at Stanford by which you can appeal, and, and we've had multiple guys appeal and get those appeals um, uh, okayed. Um, but it's more than just not getting the vaccine. It's now understanding if, you don't, if you're not vaccinated, that you have a responsibility to be here for your teammates. So how you live away from us, every decision still needs to be about the team. Yeah, it doesn't sound like the entire team will be 100% vaccinated. And, and, and David Shaw noted that, that there has some been, that been some appeals from some of the guys that were approved by the university. But the message is still the same. One player's decisions could affect the entire team. Ask North Carolina State Baseball for their thoughts on this. Let's get to number And it's certainly a new day for student athletes thanks to name, image, and likeness. Uh, Oregon defensive lineman Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, the lone unanimous first team All-Pac-12 player. He certainly, certainly had my vote. That dude's gonna be a beast up and down college football. But Thibodeau started his availability by, by giving out his Twitter and his Instagram handles. And Arizona State quarterback Jaden Daniels started his media availability by shouting out a pizza chain in Tempe. So, look, it's a whole new world of opportunities for the student-athletes. And David Shaw had some messages, and he shared those messages on, 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 to his guys on how they can capitalize on the new opportunities out there for student-athletes. Social media is their best advantage, um, controlling their social media. Uh, and I say this all the time, you know, not just quoting rap, rap lyrics on your social media, right? Uh, putting out there who you are and what you're about, what's important to you. Um, then you'll be able to attract the right kind of people that are looking for you to be a partner or a representative of what they're doing. And all the time I point to what Zach, Zach Ertz does on social media, what Justin Reed does on social media, what Phil, uh, Harrison Phillips does on social media. Uh, Blake Martinez does on social media. We have so many Stanford guys out there. Doug Baldwin is so great on social media. So many of our guys really showing who they are out there uh, and engaging with people on their own terms um, is as important as, as, as anything else these guys do in this space. Yeah, we're, we're just beginning. We're just beginning with all this and uh, intriguing stuff and intriguing times ahead for student-athletes on and off the field. Let's wrap up three things with number three. <laughs> Well, Stanford kicks off against Kansas State in the opener September 4th in North Texas. That's an 11 o'clock kickoff Central Time. So that means 9 a.m. Pacific. Oregon at Ohio State happens the next week in Columbus. That's also a 9 a.m. Pacific time start. Well, in June, you might remember David Shaw told The Athletic, quote, for Stanford in particular and Oregon to be going and playing in a different time zone and to give us an early kickoff, to me, is incredibly disrespectful. And a quote from David Shaw in The Athletic who said, yeah, he, he's, he's ticked off. He didn't use the word ticked. I asked David Shaw if he's still as ticked off now as he was then. And he kind of doubled down on things a bit. We want to play these great out-of-conference games, but we want to make sure that they're played in a, in a proper time for all of us. And I understand there were windows, and I talked to a couple of the schedulers with Fox who reached out to me and said a couple things, which I appreciate. Um, but for me in my position, what I care about is what's best for our student-athletes. 
And playing at 9 o'clock in the morning for us is not what's best for our student athletes. Playing at, at, at 8.30, 9 o'clock at night um, and getting home at 3 o'clock in the morning is not what's best for our student athletes. So as we go forward and then we have UTV coming around and we've got a lot of conversations with a lot of big time out of conference games over the next couple of years from our conference, that I think needs to come into play um, to make sure that we get the best opportunity for our student athletes to go out there and perform at a time in which their bodies can perform at a high level. Yeah, and he wanted, he wanted to make sure that he wasn't just, you know, mad at Fox with this whole thing. Look, there are certainly other broadcast partners out there that, that have a hand in this as well. Now, all that being said, I'm certainly glad that he mentioned late kickoffs as well. I mean, I remember when Wake Forest came to Stanford a few years ago, and they kicked off, they kicked that thing off at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. That's not great for the student-athletes either, so... You know, I'm, I'm glad that he that he brought that brought up that side of things because it's certainly not easy necessarily for East Coast teams to travel west. Now, will be that be one thing among many that gets solved when the new media rights package kicks in? Whatever that looks like, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, intriguing thoughts as usual from David Shaw. Those are three things. And we'll talk more with David Shaw as we'll spend a couple minutes one-on-one with him a bit later on in the show. We'll also have one-on-one chats with Stanford defensive end Thomas Booker and wide receiver Michael Wilson. Always great to, to chat with those guys. But it's also always great to catch up with Stanford Athletic Director Bernard Muir. Certainly a lot on his plate. And uh, we'll certainly cover a lot of ground with him had a moment to catch up with bernard early this morning and enjoyed it and i think you will too stanford athletic director bernard Muir joining us on the treecast well bernard the last time that you and i chatted in an interview session was december 2019. um i have no idea what we're going to talk about because clearly nothing has happened since then <laughs> I mean, quiet yeah been a little quiet <laughs> we'll, we'll try to figure this out uh, obviously, that's sarcasm. Uh, let, let's start nationally and then work our way in. Okay, obviously, with yeah, let's let's you know, obviously with some seismic changes perhaps on the landscape for all of collegiate sports. What could this possibly mean for the Pac-12? What could it possibly mean for Stanford? Well, it's it's certainly been uh, seismic is the is the appropriate term. We're constantly looking at the landscape and as a conference as well as Stanford, just understanding NIL. Conference realignment, uh, making sure that you know student athletes are having the best experience possible, and at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Uh, but there's much more discussion to come, and and as the commissioner, our new commissioner, stated this morning, you know we're, we're going to have to monitor all those things, to have uh, serious discussions. I expect that that would go into the fall, and and we'll see where the the chips land. But at the end of the day, we want to make sure our student athletes are well positioned, and we think in the in this conference they can be. And certainly from a Stanford lens, you know, the success that we expect to have nationally, that we will continue to have nationally, is really important. So that's that's really what the, the work that I expect will happen in the weeks to come. Yeah, Stanford obviously in an intriguing position here, Silicon Valley right down the street. Uh, already we've started to see, you know, some ways that the Stanford Athletics Department has has helped the student athletes kind of kind of maybe take advantage of that a little bit. Uh, can you go into detail a bit more? Yeah, so it's along the lines of the NIL and having this opportunity for students to really benefit from their name, image, and likeness, we have have embraced it. We have a, a program called Cardinal Connect that we're just releasing now. Uh, we're a few weeks in, and we want to educate our student athletes on the opportunities that 
you can receive at, at, at Stanford. And, and it's really important to understand that this is similar to what our general student body can go out and do in, in, in our market. So that's, that's really important for us to now look toward the weeks ahead, is, especially when our students get back, to further educate them and hopefully allow them to benefit. This is something that it's driven, student, totally student driven. Um, but at the same token, we want to provide the education uh, for them so they can really prosper if that's what they choose to do. And it will be totally up to them. Texas and Oklahoma seem to be kind of kicking over the anthill a little bit <laughs> uh, and setting up, setting it for us a whole set of dominoes that are obviously going to affect the Pac-12. Yes. yes. Uh, your initial thoughts and read on, on, on that situation. Well, I, I, I didn't expect that we would be talking about conference realignment this soon, uh, uh, again, in, at least in my tenure. I think from our conference perspective, we, we have to look at what, what lies ahead. Uh, I know that we've had some overtures that have come into the conference about potential uh, alignment. And we'll just have to see if it's right for us uh, and, and decide what, what's in the best interest of the Pac-12. What's really interesting now is we're in a great position where we have all these schools. We dominate both the, the mountain region and the, and the Pacific region here uh, and uh, the Pacific time zone. And it's going to be, we know that we're, we're a valuable commodity and, and hopefully there'll be great, continue to be great interest, but it, it certainly sounds in the last few days here, uh, a lot of calls have been lobbed and we'll just have to see where, where the, as I said, the chips fall uh, in the future. The direction that this all seems to be heading and the direction as of 9 a.m. on July 27, <laughs> 2021, sure. are there any trends that potentially might be on the horizon with the direction that things might be headed with the entire landscape of college, uh, college sports that, that, makes the, that might make the athletic department kind of go, whoa, we're not quite sure that this maybe meshes with some things that, 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 are, that are our objectives? I don't think we're there yet. I mean, I, I think we're, we're now we're in this uh, new world with, the, with NIL. We hopefully that doesn't trickle into recruiting. That would be a concern for us uh, if all of a sudden student athletes were making their decisions solely on that premise. That is not, as you know, not Stanford-like. Is we we offer a, a, a second-to-none education, world-class education, and that's that's the premise of which our coaches are going out and telling the story to our to prospects to say, if you come here, you can do both and do both really well, the academic and the athletic. That won't change. And so, uh, you know, if, if all of a sudden we see greater pressure on that then we'll have to talk and decide is this what, what's in our best interest for the long term. But I, I don't see that today. I, I think we just continue to monitor, educate, and, and go compete. And that's, that's what I think we're going to be able to do uh, in the future. All right, let's narrow the lens on Stanford here from here on out. And uh, obviously the big news over the past year, uh, the 11 sports since reinstated. Uh, what are some of, the what, what's some, some of the restoration work that's perhaps ahead for, for the athletic department and the university as a result? Well, there's plenty of work to be uh, uh, that lies ahead. Certainly we have to rebuild trust. And I, that starts with me and, and working with our alumni base and our student athletes uh, most specifically. Uh, and from there, we will continue to do what we're doing, allow them to go compete. And, and I, I think I'm very encouraged about the support that we've received uh, from our alums, especially our student-athlete alums, and, and all 36 sports. And, and so I think there's great momentum here. I think we're on pace to have, I know we're on pace to have a historic fundraising effort this year. And I, I expect in the next few weeks as we close out the fiscal year, we'll do really well and it will just propel us into the future. What is great now is that we're going to 
we now have put uh, a marker in the sand, if you will, to say we're going to have a fundraising campaign for the future. Knowing the height, you know, the, the escalating costs in college sport, trying to do this, what is not being done uh, by many of our peers to have 36 sports and really 36 sports that really compete at the highest level, that's, that's a heck of a marker for us. And now with greater support from our alums, from our university, uh, I think we have a chance to really abuse the term really become the best, the most prominent Olympic village in the country, if not the world. Yeah, what sort of lessons did you take away from, from that whole experience? Well, I, I realized the one thing is that our student athletes and our coaches are so resilient uh, that we've, there was a lot thrown at them, not only with the pandemic, but certainly the, the, the discussion of discontinuing sports, and they persevered. Um, not the ideal way, especially for our seniors uh, from those particular sports, the 11 sports, not, not the way that they wanted to go out, if you will, uh, but at the same token, knowing that the future is bright, that we will rebuild those programs and they will be strong. Uh, and, and like I said, all having all 36 truly in the hunt uh, for, for a, ch a chance at least to have some national prominence. That's where we'd like to be. That's the ideal goal. And, and we're going to have to work together collectively uh, in order to do that. Um, uh, to me, that's the biggest takeaway is that we have a strong community. Um, I knew it was strong, but now it's, it's much stronger. There's many people that raised their hand that we didn't, had not engaged with before. And so I'm excited now that we can work together what, what Stanford could, athletics could become. A couple last things for you here. And uh, COVID-19 is going to be a continuing subplot uh, into this season. That being said, looks like things are on track to have full fans back in the stands and it was kind of neat to have the spring football game and they just be back in the building for a little yeah. bit uh how much of an effect is kind of is, is, is having full fans in the stands going to have could potentially have on the athletic department as a whole you know i, I, I speak with great caution uh I, we're excited we're planning for full fans in the stands but we also are mindful of what's going on around our country and if anything we've learned is we just you know this thing is subject to change um, but we are going to prepare like we are going to be able to welcome people back. Uh, that will be to provide that atmosphere and excitement and to watch our student athletes compete um, day in, day out is, is what, what it's all about. And so I'm very hopeful that we can continue that. I'm, I'm thrilled that we have such a strong support system within the university, especially with Stanford Medicine, uh, working, providing the, the plans in place, providing the testing that is necessary, especially for those that are not vaccinated. Um, and I, I think having those, I'm very optimistic knowing that we have that type of support system in place and ready to, for competition to begin. And the support system within the athletic department as well. I would love to sit down with Matt Doyle, the head of the football operations for Stanford, and just pick his brain on all the stuff that he had to go through this past year. You were privy to, some of those, to, to a bunch of those conversations, I'm sure. Just what did it take to get the football team in particular through what it had to go through the final few weeks of that season? Boy, I, you, you mentioned Matt, but I think of all of our staff that were involved, from our trainers to our sports performance coaches to our uh, external relations folks, marketing, ticketing. Uh, it, it was just such a united effort to be able to, to compete with not only in football in the fall, but for but the, the 35 other sports or 34 other sports that were competing in the spring all at once. We've never done that before. <laughs> so it was really a united effort. To get football going last year was heroic. Uh, we, were, we had to be nimble week to week, day to day. We were talking about what are we doing next to be able to play three games in a row, all on the road. 
uh, was was a Herculean effort and th thankful for the support that we again had at the top, the president, the provost, and Stanford Medicine uh, to make it happen, to make sure that our student athletes first and foremost would be safe in doing it, and, and then to be able to have the opportunity to compete. And so uh, now knowing that we could go through that makes me optimistic about the future that anything's possible and we can get this done. So uh, having gone through that experience, I feel much in a much better place knowing that we can compete uh, and do that while the pandemic still exists. Yeah, September 25th, the Stanford football uh, home opener. That's going to be nice to see them back yeah. in the building, have the kids be able to sleep. And have in the fans. Right. And have fans as well. And so, fans and, that's, as well. and that's what we're preparing for. Like I said, you know, as we have to be mindful that things are subject to change, but uh, we're going to at least work today with that premise in mind, and, and uh, we'll see what happens in the weeks ahead. Yeah, last thing as we wrap this up here, your initial read on what could be in store for Stanford football this year with some, some, some good position units, some question marks, a yeah. quarterback. We'll see how things uh, get handled on, on the defense as well, but your initial read on how things could go for I'm Stanford. I'm excited each year that we can get ready to go. I, we're watching spring practice. Boy, you look at the youth that we have and the opportunities that lie ahead for our, our people. Um, you know, you're right. There's there's some positions that might be up in the air at this point. Uh, but we're talking to, to David and and knowing we're listening to the staff, I, I know that we're all are optimistic to see what will unfold. We uh, having these opportunities, and we, as you know, we have a very tough schedule, and we we've got great challenges ahead. But those are great opportunities, and I, and I can't wait to see what unfolds, especially as we kick it off here against Kansas State in, in Dallas. Best time of year is coming up. Stanford sports is uh, firing up, and it'll be all be here before we even know it. Well, Bernard, hopefully the next time we talk in an interview session, the interview, the uh, interview, uh, the uh, intervening uh, time period isn't quite as eventful I'd, as the last I'd one. I'd like has to been. see you more regularly. There's no question. <laughs> also, I have to say, just very excited about what's going to happen, what's transpiring right now, uh, and hopefully in the next week and a half or so, uh, with the Olympics and, and Stanford's yeah. presence in that, yep. uh, another great opportunity on the world stage to really celebrate the best of Stanford athletics. And so, looking forward to seeing competition tonight as well as the days ahead uh, involving the Cardinal. Always fun. Thanks a bunch. Always hey, appreciate Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, our, our thanks again to uh, Bernard Muir. And uh, look, a lot of his answers were, you know, we'll see. We'll see. And I get that. Look, there's still a lot of things that are that are left to be determined, left to be decided. We're still in the initial stages of this thing, especially from a realignment standpoint. That just cropped up, what, late last week? So, you know, you, you don't expect everyone to have all of the answers and to be able to completely predict everything that's going to happen going forward. Now, I, I was certainly intrigued to, to hear about the restoration work that's necessary, not just on his behalf, but also the athletic department and the university for the situation involving the 11 sports that were discontinued and then reinstated uh, during the course of the past year. Got to rebuild the trust. And there is no doubt that Stanford the university and the athletic department and, and Bernard Mears, they took some major shots in, in the PR department. Some major, major shots that, and, and we talked about this on the TreeCast when the, the decision to bring back those 11 sports was announced back in May. And I said, look, I'm not sure that, 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 that any of this really needed to happen. Those were shots that, 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 that the university is taking that, that really didn't need to happen. So hopefully things will be a lot more collaborative going forward, not just within the department, not just with the universities as well, or with the university as well, I should say, uh, but also 
uh, the alumni and the boosters and, and, and everyone in the community going forward. Was also intrigued to get his thoughts on, on with the direction, with name, image, and likeness, and, and some things that, that, that might be spiraling away in college sports, that might be spiraling a, a, a bit away from what Stanford likes to do, what its objectives like to be. And he says he's not forward and he's not worried about things going in the direction that Stanford wouldn't be comfortable going in based on the, based on the department right now. But, again, we'll see. <laughs> we'll certainly see how things uh, shake out going forward. And, and I'm glad that you also brought up that it wasn't just football that had to deal with, with everything last year. Basketball playing in the bubble, uh, both the men's and women's programs playing fall sports in the spring. A lot happened. Certainly a lot happened in the 19 months uh, since our last uh, catch-up, but uh, certainly appreciate his thoughts on all of those things. Always appreciate your feedback and your thoughts. You've got, uh, you've got thoughts on our chat with Bernard, uh, with Bernard Muir. I always welcome them. Uh, give me the hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast, the best way to go if you want to have your voice heard on anything Stanford sports related. Let's get to the players, shall we? The student-athletes, certainly a lot on their plates as they look to build upon the momentum that Stanford built at the end of last season, culminating with the still, uh, still exhausting win for Stanford over UCLA at the end of the regular season last year. One guy who did not play in that game in Pasadena last December was Michael Wilson, Stanford's wide receiver, who is... For my money, one of the better wide receivers, certainly in the conference, and a tremendous, tremendous competitor. And he just goes 158%. That's inexact, but I think you get what I'm saying here. He goes all out every single time. Michael Wilson, healthy to begin the season, and a lot on his plate as he joins us for a one-on-one -on -one here on the TreeCast. Mike, here it is, Pac-12 Football Media Day. The camp's about to start here in, in, in about a week and a half time or so. Your thoughts, especially coming off of last year and how that sets the table for, for this year and, and how things are looking for you right now. Yeah, I think I think we're, we're excited, right? Last year, winning those four, the last four games of the season has definitely slingshotted us and, and jump-started us into having a lot of confidence, uh, a lot of a lot of confidence into, you know, if we can win in these adverse conditions that we did last year, you know, three games on the road, sleeping in a hotel every single day, um, being away from our families and whatnot, what can we do this year, right? Exactly. And then we weren't even on campus the whole time last year, right? Season got canceled. We were staying in a hotel. Um, so we didn't really have a full calendar year to train, right? Now we've had a full calendar year to train. We've got guys that are new guys that are coming onto the scene that are hungry, prepared, um, and just eager to show that 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 you know we can re return to that that Pac-12 title and 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 you know relive the old days of us winning in 2012, 2013, 2015. Just hard-nosed, you know, disciplined guys who who just want to compete and take your head off. Your season got cut short, got hurt yep. up at Washington, didn't play the last few games. Yep. What was that experience like for you? And did it kind of give you a different perspective on the game yeah. that, that maybe you hadn't had before? Yeah, I, it's been it's been tough. Um, you know, I, I got. I, had to get surgery actually before the Oregon State game, so I watched the last two games on the couch at my at my house, um, and that was uh, one of the most sickening and, and and hard experiences I've ever went through. I've never been hurt in my whole life, never missed a practice, never missed a game, 
I'm one of those guys where my hamstring has to be falling off the bone for me to pull myself out for anything. So even even when my foot was broken, I, I pleaded with with our training staff, hey, just tape it up. Let me go finish this game, right? Then after we can deal with the consequences later, right? But I'm a guy that, that loves to compete and I love I love the game of football, right? I breathe and, and die by the game of football, um, and I, I want to do whatever it takes to to play this game. And so when it when it was removed from me, it was. It was almost a bit of a identity crisis. I didn't know what to do with myself, right? Here's, here I was training, driving three hours at home to go train with TJ Hushmanzada, right? Uh, waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning to go hit the track by 5 a.m., right? Doing all these different workouts and then to see it like blow up in my face, like, oh man, I can't compete. It was definitely something I had to wrestle with and it took me a while to, to put my mind at ease. You know, why, why did this injury happen? For a guy that does that, tries to do everything right, right? Don't play video games, don't drink alcohol, never smoked weed in my life. So those were some things I had to tussle with. But I think the biggest thing it taught me was patience, right? Patience and, and knowing that I'm, I'm here for the long run, the marathon, right? Not everything's gonna happen right now, you know, quickly. Not might happen right now when I wanted to, but eventually I'm gonna get there because I've worked my ass off for, for everything I've got. Nothing's been given to me. I'm gonna continue to do so. So I'm just excited to, to build upon last year, keep showing every year that I'm getting better. Um, I still think last year I, there's some catches I left on the table and I think, you know, some balls I dropped. And if I, if I don't make those drops and I make those plays, which I know I can, conversation is different about what type of receiver I am. And I know I'm, I can be that game changer that, that, that people turn on the tape to and go, wow. And so I'm just excited to keep building and building and building and, and improving every year and also being a great teammate, um, being a great leader for this team um, and just showing that, hey, you know, I'm a hard-nosed guy that, that's going to do whatever you ask me to do, and I'll do it. If you want me to just block all the game, hey, I'll do that to the best of my ability. If you want me to be the deep ball threat, hey, I'll do that to the best of my ability as well. You know, I'll punt return, I'll do it. It doesn't matter what it is. I just love to compete, love to play, love the game of football. Yeah, and, and watching you play, that is certainly super apparent because yeah. you ball out yeah. every single week. But you've got a lot of help. Yeah, a, lot of good, a great supporting cast. Yes. Obviously, some yes. yep. off with the NFL. Yep. But still, some fantastic receivers yes. with yourself, yes. uh, Bryson Tremaine, Tremaine. Isaac Higgins, great guy. Humphreys. Yep. Just take us through the wide yep. receiver yeah. room right now. Yeah, and honestly, there's too many to name. Right. Obviously, the obvious ones we know is Bryson Tremaine. All right, walk-on receiver, works his ass off for everything he gets. Uh, he's going to have a big-time year this year. Uh, really, really underrated guy who's going to surprise a lot of people this year. Elijah Higgins, 240 pounds, 6'3 and a half. Probably one of the fastest guys on the team. I mean, you don't, there's only a couple guys every year that are built like him and can move like him. John Humphreys, 6'5, 215 pounds, right? Great routes. Never seen a guy his size that can drop his weight as well as him. And then Bryce Farrell, right? One of the fastest guys probably in the conference, right? Documented track times, you know, running in the tens, mid tens, mid ten time, uh, hitting 22 miles an hour, right? Catapult speed. So we, Silas Starr, right? Colby Bowman, I mean, Marcus Graham. Like, we can we just keep going. The guys are just hungry to, you know, there's jobs open right now, right? Just lost Osiris St. Brown, Connor Weddington, Simi Fehoko, right? So I don't even consider myself a starter. I, I treat myself since last year, sophomore year. I never consider myself a starter. I consider myself as someone who has to earn his way in every week as a starter, earn every catch he has, right? So. You know, I think the mentality this team's approaching with is, hey, we're all backups right now. We, we just want to show that 
we want to earn everything that, that, that's, that's coming our way, right? We don't want anything given to us. We want it the hard way. If I'm hitting 22 miles an hour, let's just be sure. I'm in my car. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's how I'm going yeah. that, that fast. Now, yeah. obviously, the big question for Stanford offensively, who's the quarterback going to be? Yeah. West, Tanner McKee, the likely two front runners. Right. Uh, a few others who could potentially be in the mix and will likely see snaps from here at some point yeah. throughout the course of the season. How do you size up the quarterback uh, situation? Right yeah, now? I think it's, it's definitely ongoing. Right, Jack West and, and Tanner McGee are both great guys who they it couldn't be it couldn't be two better guys competing for that spot. Right, all around people they do everything the right way. Right, you can't look at Jack West and say, oh, he does he does this off the field. I'm like, no, he does everything to a T off the field. Right, first guy in the weight room, you know, busts his ass every single day. Tanner McGee's the same way. Both guys that don't want to leave the practice for that. They don't want to be. I need to be the last one off the field. Right, that's the mentality that so they're that they have. They're obsessive, right? They're workaholics about about what they do, and they're not going to give up the job lightly. But they're also also good people at the end of the day. Where whoever does get the job, the other one will tip their hat and say, you know what, you deserve it. Good job, you know. So just good good overall people, and, and I'm I'm excited for both of them. One of, my, one of my big takeaways from the spring game was the running backs and the backfield. I mean, Austin Jones, we know what he can do. We've seen some great flashes of Nathaniel Pete, but. But Casey Philkins, yeah, EJ Smith, yeah, a couple other guys as Justice well. Yeah. yeah, Justice Woods yeah. too. If the backfield at Stanford is running at full strength, what's your take on what that means for the entire yeah. offense as a whole right. and how that could have potentially yeah. open up opportunities for you and right. the rest of the receivers? I think, I think every back adds a different dynamic to the offense, right? EJ's a guy who can play in the slot. He's almost like a he's like a receiver, right? You can put him in the backfield, you can put him, he can run option routes, he can run any pretty much any route you want. Right? You can throw him out routes and he's just really elusive with the ball. Austin Jones, I've been saying this since he got here, is one of the most shiftiest people I've ever seen in my whole life. Like the way he's able to manipulate his body and, and juke defenders, right? He's like the definition of a guy who can make people miss in a phone booth. Were you the one who called it natural wiggle or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I think I was, yeah. It's it's absolutely insane. And then Nate Pete, right? He's the guy that can blow the top off. He's your explosive back who can has that top end speed who can really just run away from people, right? And then Casey Philkins is one of those smooth guys where you might not look at him and think, okay, he's, he's the, no, he's the truth. Casey, Phil, every time we're in practice, it's almost like every time he gets the ball, it's a touchdown. Like he's, it, it, you know, exceptional. Um, and so and all those, and then Justice Williams, the power back, big guy, 215 pounds, right? 220 pounds at 6'2". You don't get those guys that are built like that very often, right? So they each add a different dynamic, different dimension to the offense. And, and I think, you know, if we get a healthy balance between all of them and, and get them in the rotation, um, it's, it's going to be hard to contain all four, all five of those guys. So I, I know they're going to all compete their asses off because they, they're all fighting for, for carries, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing, nothing's set in stone. They're all fighting to be that number one guy. And, uh, but, you know, one through five, however, whoever's that, the, whether you're the fifth guy, the fourth guy, the third guy, they, they're all going to wear that with pride and do, do it to the best of their ability. I'm sure Tavita and David Shaw are sitting yeah. there going, man, this is a great yeah, problem. It's a good problem, have. exactly. You never, want, you never want to complain about having too much talent. I've never had a coach, you know, or a, a team say, hey, we have too much talent. That's an issue. No, 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 no. That's good. It's good because it brings out competitiveness. It brings out the best in everyone. All right, as we wrap this up, Where's the bar set for this team for you right now? How yeah. far can this squad go yeah. if everything falls into place? Yeah. 
if everything falls into place, I mean, I don't, I don't like saying goals out to the media because obviously things get played back. But I mean, every every team here, we all want to win a Pac-12 championship, right? And I think that's that should be the goal, right? We want to win the Pac-12 championship, want to dominate the Pac-12 championship or Pac-12, right? Earn our way to the Pac-12 championship. And then from there, earn our way to the college football playoffs and then go win a national championship. I think that's that's the way every team should be thinking here, right? If you're not thinking about being the best team in the country, you're not thinking right. You know what I'm saying? But I think sometimes it doesn't just come down to wins and losses. Sometimes, you know, there's, there's, sometimes the ball just doesn't fall your way, right? You get in a close game, you just don't get a good bounce. So I don't like saying, you know, I don't measure our success by wins and losses, but I, I think Every, we just need to focus week by week, right? Laying a brick every week, just putting a penny in the bank, penny in the bank, penny in the bank, penny in the bank, the whole, and then just cash out, right? Cash out during the season, and I think, I think if we play our best in a perfect world, I think definitely um, in that in the first week of December we're going to be lifting that Pac-12 championship trophy. Looking forward to seeing it all yeah. unfold. Looking forward to seeing you back on the yeah. field and doing big things. Yeah. Pleasure watching you play. Always a pleasure catching up. Yeah. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate thank you time. so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Our thanks again to Michael Wilson. And look, you, you, you hear the you hear the competitiveness, man. You, you hear you you hear just what this game means to him, and what being a leader on this squad means to him. And as I mentioned with him, all of that shows when you watch him play. And even without Simi Fajoko and Connor Weddington and Osiris St. Brown, even though you know you don't have those three guys in a Cardinal uniform for this year, that wide receiver room is still nothing to sneeze at. I mean, I, I still kind of think this, that the strength of the Stanford offense has kind of moved and shifted a little bit from the wide receivers to the running backs. But still... Wide receiver room is certainly going to have a lot to uh, say as far as the Cardinals' fortunes are concerned for the 2021 season. Now, of course, the big question is who's going to get them the ball? <laughs> but we will certainly see about that going forward. On the other side of the ball, Thomas Booker in the morning was named first-team All-Pac-12 both defensively and on special teams. So congratulations to the senior on both of those accolades. And and look, most of you know, I'm, I'm a tremendous fan of, of, of Thomas Booker, both on and off the field, the embodiment of the student athlete. And I don't think that, that, that you're going to find too many uh, other folks who, who represent what Stanford Athletics is all about better than that young man. Caught up with Thomas Booker, and it was intriguing because there was a certain head coach just 15 feet away, maybe not even 15 feet away as uh, we conducted our conversation. More on that, plus a lot more with Thomas Booker, who joins us one-on-one -on, -one on the TreeCast. All right, Thomas, we're here at Pac-12 Football Media Day, and as I look off in the distance, I see Cal head coach Justin Wilcox, just like about 15 feet away from us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you guys, have you guys run into each other so far today, and did you kind of kind of nod and go, yeah, yeah, remember what I did to you last November? <laughs> Haven't done that just yet. The only run-in with the uh, opposing head coach I've had is with Coach Cristobal. I played some ping pong with him, and uh, I will say that I think I won. But, uh, yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't run into him too much today. <laughs> hopefully that portends well for Stanford, Oregon in, uh, in, in early October. Maybe yes, sir. Hopefully, yes, sir. Hopefully setting the tone. Uh, how has this past offseason been for you, getting a chance to have a complete offseason, mm -hmm. one that you didn't have last year, and have you been able, been able to see and notice some of the differences that having a complete offseason at this point has made? Absolutely. I think even when we did come back and, uh, and train during COVID, 
there were obvious limitations that we had in terms of not being able to use our regular weight room, um, having to wear a mask, um, not being able to stay and eat at the, at the facility or at the diner. Um, so a lot of that's changed. And the fact that we have a lot more solidified plans around our training, and it's not really a week-to-week -week thing about are we going to be playing or are we not, you know, are we going to cancel our training? Is there going to be an outburst or outbreak of COVID? Um, it's meant a lot to us in terms of our ability to prepare and, again, just get guys right because football is a, is a physically demanding game, you know. So you have to get your body prepared. And from last season, dudes were injured or whatever, so guys have been able to come back, uh, practice, work out, get their bodies right and all that. You know, me personally, um, within the last month, I've lost 3% body fat just off of our workouts. So it's been really, really helpful having a, a more normalized version of our training. It's a physically demanding game, but as you know, it's a mentally demanding game Absolutely. as well. And certainly what, what y'all went through last season, you know, certainly unprecedented mm -hmm. on so many different levels. Having gone through all of that, how does that kind of maybe sharpen some things, maybe from a mental standpoint, psychological standpoint, amongst yourself and the guys going forward? Yeah, so I talked about this before, but like going from an adverse situation, like that's probably one of the most adverse situations you can think of in terms of football, um, not being able to practice at your home stadium and traveling for three straight weeks. Um, going from that to having, again, more of a normalized schedule where we know where we're going to be playing, you know, we actually do get to play home games. We get to have our fans, our, our friends, our classmates, our teammates, all that um, around. Um, I think it really does help because going from a really tough scenario to what we've been doing since before that, you know, we rattled off three straight wins on the road um, in hostile environments, and a lot of them were close, grind-out wins, you know? So going from that base of confidence that we built to this year, um, you know, it's critical that we build upon it and, and keep that momentum, because we definitely ended the year with momentum. Um, so yeah, I think that if you've been battle-tested, you know, in the deep water, as we like to say it, as, like, as Coach Carroll likes to say it, um, when stuff gets a little bit easier, you know, you should really be able to dominate. A lot of eyes are going to be on the Stanford defense, uh, which has had some great moments, but also has some points of improvement as well. Absolutely. Uh, overall, the defensive side of the ball, what are some things on the table for, for Stanford in your mind this upcoming season? So I think the big thing is how aggressive we're playing downhill, specifically with our linebackers. Uh, two guys that I'd like to highlight are my roommates, uh, Jacob Manga Farrar and Ricky Miazon, guys that have had some trouble with injury in the past, but are so athletic and so gifted. Um, and I'm really excited to see what they put on the field this year, and it's going to allow me to play faster, you know. People aren't going to be able to stay on double teams with me as long because they're going to have dudes coming down 100 miles per hour ready to blast the running back, you know. So it makes everyone's job easier when everyone else plays aggressive. So that's what I'd say you can look forward to with this year's Cardinal defense, you know, a downhill mentality with TFLs and negative plays. I throw Levani Damuni in there as oh, well. He certainly, he certainly showed a turn turnover touch throughout much of his play last mm -hmm. year. Absolutely. Levani is an extremely dynamic playmaker. I think we all saw that in Oregon um, when he had that athletic uh, interception and just the way he thumps, you know. We got a lot of really uh, well-built, you know, heavy dudes who can move really fast, you know. So it's always good to be about that backing you up. So I'm excited to, to play defensive line in front of those guys. Yeah, defensive line, I think, is, is, is an intriguing position, especially in this day and age in college football with, with the way the game has been played with 
maybe somewhat of a de-emphasis on just a straight running game, maybe a lot more deception and, mm -hmm. and all those sorts of things, getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands quick, yeah. quick and all those sorts of things. You know, how has playing D-line, as you sense it, how has it changed over the past few years given what offenses have tended to emphasize uh, recently? So that's an interesting question because it really does depend on who you play. You know, there's certain teams like, uh, like Utah and Oregon State which really do still rely on that downhill running attack um, and using play action is kind of a bit of a changeup. Um, then you've got teams like USC that are more spreading the ball out, uh, that air raid spread type offense. Uh, so it really does depend on who you play. But in general, it means that you have to be able to adjust to a variety of different schemes and play styles. You know, like film study and all of that becomes even more important because you're not playing the same type of team every week. You know, you can go from Washington State you know, that'll throw the ball 60 or 70 times in a game to Oregon State where they might throw it 20 times in a game. You know, and it's a lot of inside downhill run. So just being able to be adjustable, being able to, to hone your skills so that no matter what opponent you're facing, that you can be effective. You know, that's how I think it's changed the game. What is Thomas Booker like away from football? It's <laughs> a really big question to answer. You know, I uh, obviously, like, I really do enjoy school. Um, I'm an economics and communications double major, so I love that. You know, and honestly, what I love doing is after we finish up a workout and I go eat with my guys uh, in front of the dining hall, I love just having conversations about whatever, you know, whether it's like existentialism or, you know, a philosophical topic or how we're going to be this year, you know, the basketball season, whatever. I love having conversations with my guys that are just stretched for hours. You know, that's the one thing about Stanford that I love is that you really can have conversations with damn near anybody on campus um, and end up losing track of time. Uh, so that's what I love doing. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there is a whole lot to me outside of the field that I can't even put into words right now because I can't remember. <laughs> Yeah. All right. This season, obviously, the, the start with the three uh, road games uh, at the very start, uh, mm -hmm. playing Kansas State down in North Texas uh, at USC. You'll be back here in about six weeks' time or so, mm -hmm. and then heading out to Vanderbilt against Nashville. Then you've got the home opener September 25th yep. against UCLA. How strange is it going to be being able to walk into Stanford Stadium Sleeping in the hotel, in your own hotel bed, I guess in some senses the night before, but being able to walk into Stanford Stadium and to see hopefully a full packed house that day, how cool is that going to be? It'll be so cool, you know, and obviously like you've settled quickly back into routine, so I'm sure it'll feel normal once we get around to it. But uh, seeing as what we had to deal with last year in terms of not being able to have any of those things, you know, you just appreciate it even more because you see how quickly and how easily it can be taken away. So kind of just savoring that moment, especially for me because it's my senior year. Um, it's a blessing to be able to have a senior year where we're going to have more of a normal season. You know, so trying to really take that energy and, and use it and be able to have it guide us to, to victories. All right, as we uh, wrap this up, your keys for Stanford as a team, what's going to need to happen in order for the Cardinal to achieve all the things that I'm sure it wants to accomplish this fall? So from a broad standpoint, guys focusing on the controllables of their job. You know, um, I think that's a, a kind of underrepresented thing, but, you know, the playmaking and all the flashy plays happen when everybody else does their job and that one person out of the 11 gets an opportunity. You know, so I think that's one thing that we focused on this year, um, even in our team covenant, you know, you're one eleven. So doing that. Um, I think in general, just having a really nasty physical attitude about how we play the game of football is going to be huge, you know, because at the end of the day, you can scheme however much you want, but if you're getting hit in the mouth and you're not hitting back, then it's a problem. 
you know. So I think that's going to be a big key, big key for us. But yeah, you know, just just focusing on what we can do as individuals to come together as a collective, you know. So we recruit guys that are athletically talented, athletically gifted, and all of that. But the reason why they're here is because they have an innate ability to make plays when it counts the most. So the way that we get them to those places to make those plays is the boring stuff. You know what I mean? It's keeping your eyes in the right place. It's having the right footwork and all that. So that at the end of the day, you know, when the running back comes to the hole, I can come off and shed and make a TFL because Daylon Wayne Perry and Ryan Johnson held up the front side. You know, so it's important stuff like that, the boring stuff, but the important things, you know, that we need to be able to do. Well, the boring stuff, but the important things always lead to big plays yes, down sir. the stretch. Looking forward to seeing all those things come to fruition this upcoming fall. He will live forever in big game lore and, of course, is aiming for more than one and only Thomas Booker. Thomas, thanks a bunch. Always appreciate the time. Best of luck. Go get him this year. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me. Said it before, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it again. I'm either going to be working for that guy or voting for him, or maybe even both by the time it's all said and done. Thomas Booker uh, joining us here. Uh, on the tree cast. It, it, intriguing thoughts on how playing defensive line has kind of changed a little bit um, over the past few years. And obviously things, you know, that the, the depend on the opponent because everyone's trying to run their scheme. It's so different, especially in the Pac-12 where you get that diversification of schemes. You're not just going to have folks that are just going to run downhill at you every week. No, you got to yeah, you, you, you got folks who, who run the spread option to perfection and you got other folks who just spread you out and the other folks that, that just run downhill at you. So Booker, I, I thought, really summed that up um, extremely well and, and also great to hear his thoughts on what he is like off of the field. You're going to hear our one-on-one -on -one with David Shaw as he spent a couple moments with us on Tuesday afternoon as well. We'll get to him and wrap things up in just a moment or so. But, but first, I mentioned at the start of the show, Pac-12 preseason poll, which is, you know, take it for whatever it's worth. Uh, I'm, I'm always a big believer in the... In, 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 the, in the adage that, you know, preseason predictions are a form of, of professional suicide in some senses. But, you know what, that being said, when they told me, hey, Troy, you want to submit a ballot? I said, yeah, sure, no problem. So I submitted my ballot uh, for the uh, Pac-12 um, for, for the Pac-12 and also uh, for the all-conference teams as well. So, all right, my ballot for Pac-12, uh, the Pac-12 preseason media poll. In the North, I had Oregon, then Cal then Stanford, then Washington, then Oregon State, and then Washington State rounding it out. In the South, I, have, I had USC winning it with UCLA right behind. I really think the Bruins, you know, I think they're certainly when you've got a proven quarterback and Chip Kelly with another year at Westwood, I, I really think things are trending upward for the Bruins at this point. Utah behind UCLA. Arizona State, I got them fourth, man. I, I, I think they may have the best roster in the Pac-12, but with the intangibles, shall we say, surrounding the Sun Devils right now, that's going to be a tough, tough ask, I think, for them uh, to maybe perhaps achieve some of the things that, uh, that they might be able to achieve under a normal season. Then Colorado and then Arizona. Now, before you get on me for picking Cal ahead of Stanford, you know, hell, before you, before you even get on me for picking Washington below both of them, remember two things. One, I think that those three teams, Cal, Stanford, and Washington, could really finish in any combination, and I wouldn't be surprised one single bit. And two, look, my ballot's going to be wrong 
right? <laughs> Look, it just it just reflects on on how I felt about things when I submitted that ballot a couple of weeks ago. And also keep in mind that even though I have Cal finishing second in the Pac-12 North, that was before their center, uh, Michael Saffel, uh, announced his retirement. That's a big deal. That is a very, very big deal. And one that could, could certainly affect things in the trenches for the Bears this upcoming season. Now, there's also a very good chance I change my mind on things, especially once those teams actually play real, live, competitive ball. The only things I was really sure of when I was filling out that, that ballot, I like Oregon to top the North, and I like Arizona at the bottom of the South. Everything else, got me. You got me. One final bit of business on the show. Whenever David Shaw speaks, we listen, especially when he speaks directly to us. We've had him for several one-on-one -on -one chats here on the TreeCast uh, over the past year and a half or so. And uh, as the afternoon started to ramp up in Hollywood, Coach Shaw and I had a chance to spend a few moments together. Let's listen in. All right, Coach, let's start here. Obviously, some questions as to whom the starting quarterback is going to be. I would not be doing my job as a member of the media without starting this conversation with this question. Who's the starting quarterback for Stanford this year? You know, uh, we're not ready to say that just yet. Um, both guys had really good springs, which is important to me. Um, if there was one of the two that wasn't up to par, then we would have made the decision at the end of spring. Both guys had really good springs. Um, we anticipate them playing at a high level this fall. Um, the latest we'll make an announcement will be Monday uh, of game week. Um, we'll see if there's some separation that happens at some point in time before that. And whenever that happens, we'll make that decision and we'll move on. I'd like to think that that's the only time you're going to be hearing that question over the next few weeks, but of course that's not how this operates. Um, back in the spring, Saw some things, didn't get a chance to see everybody. Folks were held back, especially out of the spring game. Uh, how much of an evaluation process were you and the coaching staff able to conduct uh, this spring, given who was able, who was, who was available, and who wasn't? Oh, it was big. It was big for us, um, particularly on the offensive line side. We were relatively healthy. Got a chance to look at a lot of these guys. Got a chance to really look at Miles Henton um, battling right there, right tackle. Um, a lot of our guys getting ready to play. Um, good group of juniors that's been, they've been, they were thrust into playing earlier than they should have been, honestly. But uh, now that you feel a sense of maturity, um, uh, Terry Heffernan coming in as an offensive line coach, kind of at the right time for these guys to hopefully take them to the next level. Um, I, I'm really excited about where that group is. And the skill position-wise, um, we have reloaded, and I, I think we are as deep as we've been in a long time. Yeah, I can't wait to see how the running back situation uh, starts to uh, assert itself with all the different weapons there. Other side of the ball defensively uh, some ways to improve there I'm sure from how things have gone over the last couple of years uh, what are your big benchmarks for improvement for, for, for Stanford defensively this season well, our mantra has always been to stop the run and we did not do that well last year um, a lot of reasons why we had some guys that were young some guys that um, we've changed positions and um, some guys are inexperienced we missed uh, we missed some leadership on that team you know Paulson Adebo not playing last year uh, was difficult for us and then uh, Caillou Kelly who I think is one of the top corners in America, 
him missing some time last year I think really hurt us. Um, Jordan Fox, who's been a leader on this team for years now, not being able to play in the majority of the games, and even when he did play, he wasn't 100% healthy. Um, so I think coming back now, uh, Thomas Booker in the middle is going to be one of the best defensive linemen in America. Uh, I love our linebacking core outside and inside. A bunch of guys that haven't played a lot of football, but there's a lot of maturity on that team. Stephen Herron's had a great spring. Um, you know, uh, Jacob Mango Farrar, Ricky Maison. Uh, those two guys, and then Jordan Fox hopefully coming back healthy. But we have uh, a lot of depth, too, and Gabe Reed and uh, Loa, Loa Kafusi, guys that were, were banged up on and off the last couple of years. So I think we've got a really good core. I think we've got better depth than we've had in the past. I'm excited about this group going out there playing together. Yeah, give me a couple of under-the-radar guys that might uh, have a special chance to uh, pop this fall. Well, uh, Dale and Wade Perry has been on the verge for a while. Um, played, played well in spurts last year. Um, if he's if he's consistent for us this year, he and Thomas Booker could be a great one-two punch up front. Um, that would, I think, change our fortunes on the defensive side because if you can have a couple of guys up front that are tough to block, it makes life easier for a lot of guys. Um, Ricky Miazon, I think by the end of the year, is going to be a household name. I think he's got Shane Scove impact ability. Um, he and Jacob playing together, which the two of them came in together and haven't been able to play together. We've been talking about it for three years. Like, when are you guys going to get a chance to play together? They've been rooming together. They've been dreaming about being out there together. And I'm excited about getting those guys out there together. Um, that should be a lot of fun. All right, uh, as we wrap this up, the major things on your to-do list for fall camp, what are the things that you want to be sure to have tightened up beyond everything else before you all head onto the plane and head down to North Texas to face Kansas State? One of the biggest things for me this training camp is thinking long, longevity-wise for the season. We've got to find a way to make sure that we're deep. Um, this is going to be a long physical season with a lot of big time games and there are going to be guys getting banged up there are going to be some injuries hopefully not that many but we're going to have to play a lot of guys so that we guys we don't get worn down by the end of the year um, so really developing that depth um, from our sophomore group which we're really excited about from our incoming freshman group which we've got some guys that may be able to help us but to make sure that we're deep offensive line defensive line in particular linebacker safety receiver uh, a lot of those places to make sure we have guys that are ready to step up and play. Um, that's one of the biggest things for me. And besides that, really going to the to the approach that we can't worry about what anybody else says. If nobody else thinks that we're going to be good, that's fine. That can't be the only thing that motivates us. We can't be out there to, to prove other people wrong. We have to go out there and be at our best and win football games regardless of what anybody else has said. And, and I believe it will be one of those seasons. If we play the way we're capable of, then the bandwagon's going to swing back. And whether people think that we're in the middle of the pack or people think that we're the best team in the nation, that can affect how we play week to week. We have to be consistent. We have to play much better stopping the run on the defensive side. We're going to be much better creating explosive plays on the offensive side and scoring points in the end zone. And that's what's going to be a big difference for us. Should be fun. Best time of year is coming up. Coach, thanks a bunch as always. Best of luck. Best of health football-wise and otherwise. And we'll talk again soon. All right. Take care. So there you have it, some nuts and bolts stuff with Stanford head football coach David Shaw. I'm sorry, the Bradford M. Freeman director of football. Always appreciate uh, his thoughts and always appreciate his time. And Shaw says that, that we will know who the starting quarterback will be uh, on Monday, or at least no later than Monday, before the uh, opener against Kansas State. Now, of course, and if you've heard me throughout the spring, uh, you know what I'm going to say next. Just because one guy, whether it's West or McKee, takes the opening snaps, I don't think that necessarily means that he's going to take all the snaps, especially early on in the season. It wouldn't surprise me if we see both of those guys going 
in the opener against Kansas State. Heck, it wouldn't surprise me if we see both of those guys going, certainly throughout the early portion of the season, and then perhaps uh, one guy starts to establish himself uh, for, from there. So uh, the quarterback position certainly going to be the one that most folks are going to be watching, and no shortage of other things to uh, keep an eye on uh, for Stanford as well, both offensively, skill positions outside of quarterback. I think there are a lot of exclamation points there for the most part, and even some guys that, that you might not have necessarily seen just yet. Uh, Stanford in a, in a position to perhaps emerge in a big way with their offensive skill position, guys. And defensively, if they can stay healthy, if they can stay healthy, things should be okay. Obviously a big if, but you never know. You never know. There are obviously going to be a lot of things that, that will need to, to fall into place for Stanford to – and look, that's, that's true for every team, right? I mean, Oregon's picked to win this whole thing. But just because they're picked to win the whole thing, that, 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 that doesn't mean that they can just sneeze their way into the Pac-12 championship game. No, there are still going to be a whole lot of things that need to fall in place for the Ducks if they're going to live up to the preseason accolades that have been bestowed upon them uh, entering this season. Same thing for Stanford. A lot's going to have to fall into place for the Cardinal in order for them to achieve their very best. But again, that's true for every team out there. But overall, David Shaw pretty happy about things right now, it seems. Has a lot of optimism, has a lot of excitement, and that's kind of it's kind of typical of what these media days are, are, are all about, right? I mean, look, we're, we're going to get a lot more X's and O's stuff and a lot more nuts and bolts stuff uh, once camp begins and as camp continues and as everything ramps up towards week one. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, and we joked about it, you just heard it, I'm pretty sure that uh, David Shaw is going to get tired of being asked who the quarterback is going to be. But we'll get a lot more nuts and bolts stuff. And today, this media day, wasn't quite 100% about all of that. It was getting the storylines and getting to know some of the, the student-athletes, the kids, uh, perhaps in a, in a better position or at least in a better setting than maybe uh, the remainder of the year. Britton Covey, the receiver for Utah, yes, he's back in, what, his 19th year of eligibility? <laughs> he might be the most interesting man in Pac-12 football this year. Very impressed with uh, the things I was hearing uh, from that young man in particular. But it, it was just a great chance to, to get some of the excitement, get some of the things going for the season ahead, and all the coaches – Seemed excited to be there. A lot of optimism. Some not-so-hidden recruiting messages out there and sales pitches uh, amongst uh, most of the coaches that I was able to chance to, uh, to listen in on. But uh, above all, felt really good to do it live and in person all over again. Good to see actual people. Good to see old friends I've known for decades. Good to, good to, good to actually just see people live and in person. It's like I'm being reintroduced into society or something like that. But, but good to be a part of it. And uh, looking forward to seeing how it all starts when the season finally kicks off. For Stanford, that'll be September the 4th, 9 a.m. Pacific time against Kansas State down in Arlington, Texas. As always, I appreciate your thoughts on the show. The best thing, the best way to have your thoughts on the show heard Give me the hashtag TreeCast on Twitter. Hashtag TreeCast. That's the best way to ensure that, that I see what you've got. What you're thinking is as the Stanford sports season uh, starts to, to ramp up once again, not just, not just football, but, but all the other fall sports are, are set to begin uh, just uh, quicker than we all realize. <laughs> it's all going to start up quicker than we all realize. So anytime, I always welcome your thoughts. Hashtag TreeCast. And certainly don't forget, subscribe to the show. 
uh, via your favorite listening app, be it Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. Um, Alexa's got the hookup. Any way you want to go, you can find the TreeCast on your favorite listening app. And don't be a stranger to the show. If you're new to the TreeCast, um, make it a habit. Subscribe to the show, and certainly once the season uh, kicks off, uh, we'll come at you twice a week, once before every Stanford football game and once immediately after it, as uh, I, I don't think that anybody does. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm biased, admittedly, but I'm not sure that anybody covers Stanford football better, certainly in the audio space, than we do here on the TreeCast. Next TreeCast will come at you at some point, probably within the next couple weeks, I would imagine. We're going to be a bit on a bit more of a regular posting schedule, certainly uh, once the season begins. But you're going to, in all likelihood, be hearing a lot more of the TreeCast in the weeks ahead than you have over the last few months. Can't wait. And thank you for joining us on this ride. Big thank yous to everyone who helped make this show possible. Our guests, Stanford Athletic Director Bernard Muir, Stanford Head Coach David Shaw, Stanford Wide Receiver Michael Wilson, and Stanford defensive lineman Thomas Booker. Always enjoy catching up with all four of those young men. Also, special shout-out to uh, Scott Swigan and uh, Nate Lowry at the Stanford Athletics Communications staff. And great job by the W Hotel here in Hollywood by hosting us all here. Uh, uh, their first uh, chance to host this event, I believe. But enjoyed it. Nice to be in Hollywood. Now it's time to get to work. We'll see you next time on the TreeCast. In the meantime, don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. And get the vaccine. Just just get the vac. It, it, it'll, it'll make your life easier and <laughs> a lot of other people's lives easier as well. Back the pack, back the vac. Hey, I just made that up. That's kind of clever, isn't it? Back the I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't promise many more moments of, 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 of being clever throughout the remainder of these shows. But anyway, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for checking us out on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network.